Dumb. Tell me how We're, far close I need to be. <laughs> yeah, that looks good. I'm actually blowing this out. Turn myself down. You can hear me in your headphones, right? Yeah, I sure can. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah, I don't know if my... Do I need to keep talking so you can kind of... You need to be a little bit closer, though. I need to be closer. Yeah, you're okay. kind of where I'm at. Like, right. you need to be, like, a fist away. Okay. So, Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, like, right there is perfect. Perfect. Right? Yeah. All right. Can I move this back a little? Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. so I can kind of lean on here? Yeah, of course. Okay. Sounds and now, now we're doing, we're getting, like, to the Joe Rogan stuff right now. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Okay. It's intimate. I'm so, yeah, it. it's very... <laughs> I, I, I gave you a candle. Oh, nice. I, I The Phillips. Yes, <laughs> the little, little flickering. Candle candy. effect. That's right. We uh, invited you over just to, just to uh, treat you. I, I, that's why I offered you water with lemon, man. That was organic lemons I I offered oh, you. Oh, good grief. Wow. I, uh, I shouldn't turn it down. Oh, I went to... Well, that is your loss now. I'm not giving you them now. I'm, okay. I'm sharing them. I'm hoarding them. Right. I went to Whole Foods this past weekend Whoa. with my... My mom and my aunt, and we finally okay. picked, like, I was able, I, I went over, like, the dish I made, spent $135, and let me do all of the oh, wow. organic stuff that I use yep. and make, and it didn't, it was a difference, but I'm not going to Whole Foods maybe about once or twice a year. I can't, yeah. I just can't afford it. I know. It's, it's expensive. Uh, let's see. Pastor James, where, what did he say? He first said we had to get together at some point here, uh, but he said, at least uh, for any listener, because I'm already recording, by the way, this is, okay. we're just going. Gotcha. Uh, he said, great job navigating that podcast conversation. You knit everything together very well and maintained a, uh, a, a really high level of engagement. And he said, I was listening to the, in the car with the family. So that's what, that's kind of like what we're trying to do here. But, um, that's cool. but for those of you who've been kind of eavesdropping into our conversation, welcome to the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, this week's guest has been teased in the past here for the show for you listeners. And finally, I have my good friend and fellow brother in Christ, Nathan Johnston, with me. Actually, it was really funny because we were talking about this girl I was interested in. So <laughs> here's what happened, because I know a Nathan Johnson, okay? I also know a Nathan Johnson, who I'm connected with at the Sock Theater nearby, and good Christian dude. And I thought I was texting you this past <laughs> week. And what ended up happening is this this is the text message I'll send. I'll censor the name of the girl. Uh, but this is what I said. I said, she told me that her schedule is uh, flexible. I, I, I first wrote, insert name, wrote back. And the response was context, question mark. I went, well, that was kind of odd. We yeah, just talked uh, about this, Nathan. Come on. But I was like, <laughs> you're, you're a father of four. You're, you're yeah. busy. Uh, he, <laughs> I told him, I said, well, she, she told me that her schedule's flexible, and she hopes to usher for the show as well. I told her I'd get back with her about my commitment timeline, and she gave me a thumbs up, you know? And I gave that little emoji of yeah. from Napoleon Dynamite. looks like things are getting pretty serious, you know? I, I gave him that, <laughs> oh, and, he, no. and he goes, ah, curious to hear how it goes. I went, yeah. well, thanks, Nathan. I appreciate it. <laughs> I said, so am I. Just curious about more interaction is all. He says, yeah, because there have been some moments where she seemed standoffish, question mark, curious, more curious and more curious indeed. And I went, yeah, she's not been standoffish. And he says, I couldn't think of the right word, I guess. She she didn't seem to show any friendliness. Maybe maybe it's just me. And I'm like, well, how did, like, that's actually <laughs> a very we? good observation. Did you meet her? Like, what did you meet her? I said, oh yeah, she was quite friendly at the theater, but we shall see. I'll, I'll keep you updated, buddy. He said, thanks. And I I texted him 
the same day, like later, I said that, by the way, that homeschool comment by your wife was perfect yeah. that she predicted she was homeschooled. Right. He goes, oh, I don't think I've heard of it. Oh, I said, well, when I asked if she was homeschooled, he goes, oh, yeah. And it wasn't until a day later that I realized I said, this was the wrong person. Yeah, this is not. Yeah. And he said, oh, no problem. I says, I don't know why I didn't question it. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? He's like. He's just agreeing with you. Yeah, he's like, oh, that sounds great. Sure. Man. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I thought I was texting you oh the entire goodness. time. Oh, my God. That guy's Dude. a ham. And so. Oh my gosh! So like that's uh, that's an update on how I'm doing. Uh, I when I'm trying to show interest in a girl and tell my buddies, I can't even tell my correct buddies about about it. So it's absolutely <laughs> dumb. Anyway, it has nothing to do with you except uh, for your last name was is with a T. So yeah, <laughs> um, we met. We've met a long time ago. We've known each other for for years, but we were not like close friends. We yeah, I, more in name and in passing yeah. and through my dad. Yeah, that's that's it. Like I've I've known your father. I've I, I have talked about him as being my like spiritual benefactor over the years. Uh, he was the one who introduced me to Olivet. That's your alma mater as well. Yes. And yeah. when I would go to, when I finally got introduced to Olivet, he took me on a trip there kind of incognito style. He showed me about like all the stuff and he's like, here, this is where I made out with this girl. Here's where I asked <laughs> that sure. girl out. And I'm like, no, no, that's not true. It turns out it's all true. Yeah. Of course, much to the chagrin of your mother, who's just rolling her eyes the entire time. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I swear he was there signing, signing autographs. Like, that's, that's who he is. But, yeah. I, but I knew of you and Jenny. And actually, I got to know your sister more um, than anyone else, in, like, besides your mom and dad. But it's because I sat next to them in church. I mean, yeah. your dad, when I was... When I come back from from break, he he'd hand me like a lot of cash, like 150 bucks, just say, "Hey, keep it going, kid." And it was just yeah. awesome. But I That's always so knew cool. you as Ryan's husband, who worked in Kid City, who always wore the Kid City T-shirt with yeah. a long sleeve shirt underneath it. That's all I knew about you. That's like I say, I'll walk <laughs> I walked into the comments. Had my attire pegged, I guess. Yeah, I, was, I, did, I did not realize that's what I was wearing, but yeah, sure. <laughs> that's what you were. I was like, oh, hey, look, it's Nathan Johnston. Like he's a very quiet to himself, reserved individual. <laughs> yeah. Which is not the case at all. I, yeah. I, I had to get to know you. So like your your dad, I, I came for a visit. Uh, several. I think it was. It was like fall of 2021. I came. I had a. I had a Sunday off of church. I came back. It was the first time I'd been to Jackson Ass since God That's called right. me away. And yeah. your dad said, "Hey, we're, we can have brunch every Sunday. Why don't you come over, Gail Cooks?" And I initially said, "No, I, that's fine." Uh, but then I'm like, "You know what, Michael? Don't be an idiot. Go." And that's sure. when you and I. Like we actually yeah. were able to have parents like a, are great. a great so, conversation. We just happened to be there as <laughs> yeah, well. That's right. We go every week and yeah, like, shout oh, out. Like, what are you guys doing here? I know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so like that's how we got to know each other and that's developed a friendship uh, yeah. ever since. Like a deep abiding friendship, something I, uh, I never expected. So I, I but the one thing that I guess I've assumed, and this is a question I always ask everyone who's on this podcast, because I, I think it's beneficial for for Christians to to share this with each other, how even it doesn't even matter if you're raised in a Christian household or not. Yeah. But how did you come to know Christ? When did it become like real for you? Not just something you were raised with, not your parents' religion. Like mm. what was that? What was that like for you growing up? Yeah, I know a lot of people do have some traumatic, you know, experiences, and you know, I definitely had like some church camp experiences, which were phenomenal. Right at uh, Indian Lake Nazarene Campgrounds. Um, went there every year as a kid and definitely had, you know, always had a soft heart, uh, responded to altar calls and things like that. 
I can't remember one specific moment. I was raised here at Jack's Naz. Um, uh, we were on the east side of town, and um, I, I just remember at one point, I want to say I was turning 12, I believe it was, um, and I remember learning about baptism and what that meant and what that was, and I was like, I want that, and I'm ready to commit. I don't need to and so, and at the time, uh, Pastor Phil Stout was our pastor, and so he brought me in, and then I think there was a couple other younger uh, teens or preteens that were learning about um, baptism. So uh, anyway, went in, and you know, we each individually sat down and had some, like, a talk with them and what it meant, and he wanted to make sure we were doing it for the right reasons, of course, and what, if we fully understood what we were doing, and I was all in. Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, and so I was like... Absolutely. So, so I got baptized at you know the old church on Higby Street oh, wow. uh, with Pastor Phil um, yeah, when so I was this, like twelve. I was gonna say, what year would that have been? Oh man, I was born uh, seventy nine. So okay. I mean, 91, 90, 92? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, ninety one, ninety two. Well, that's so. before I was born, so I, that's not something <laughs> I remember. Not to just yeah. throw that out there. I, yeah, for sure. So I, I would say that was. I do have that memory. I, always being raised in the church, always going anytime the doors were open, Sundays, mornings, evenings, Wednesday evenings, cantatas, all sorts of youth stuff. Uh, just, it was just my thing, you know. I just wanted to be close to God. I loved Him. I loved the people of God, and um, our church was fantastic. So, um, yeah, I think that would be the moment I w- that would stand out to me, but just always being raised in the church. So, I did not have ever like a, a walking or falling away, so to speak, and I didn't have some miraculous. It was by the grace of God, through the blessing of my family and the church, that I was kind of always held tight and close and and didn't stray, and so just really, really fortunate. So, yeah, I mean that's that's I can relate very, very much to that, and I I think that's a beautiful thing. I mean, we yeah. going to Olivet, you hear about the people who are like, you know, my. Uh, I'm an orphan, you know, I was a former drug addict, and yeah. Jesus turned me around, and it's like, how do you follow that in a, in a small group? But that, that's very similar. I, I was baptized by uh, by Bryce, and mm-hmm. and I was probably 2006, 2007, okay. and yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was really empowering, because I know my grandmother there, who was a Catholic, she came to the Protestant service, you know, wow. that was really cool, I, I'll never forget that day, but it, very similar, I mean, I went to Jack's Naz, baptized there. You know, I was raised in the church, never questioned it, went to Olivet, that only strengthened my regard right. uh, with with my faith. And, you know, now I'm a pastor, you still serve volunteer in the church. So that, I always like showing people that, like, it's not, like, the people, I think, who have this the same type of story, same testimony, same mm-hmm. faith journey, I don't want those people to ever feel discouraged. Like, that's probably most of Christians out there, I would yeah. say, or at least, at least half that have, were like, yeah, I re- was raised in the church and I never left. And that's great. I mean, that's what we need. We need those, those type yeah. of people who are willing to, to stay and, and, I, and build. I, I remember, you know, um, in some settings where th- th- a similar question was asked of me. And you're in with mixed company um, in terms of background, and they have powerful stories. And, I, and they asked me, and I shared, and they were like, I wish I had that story. They were like, that is the story yeah. everyone should want to have, is that your family life was so good, your church was so vibrant and active, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, Bible, you know, following, and that there wasn't, 
you weren't attacked by the wolves. You weren't pulled out into the world. That culture didn't suck you in. That you didn't, uh, you know, fall to some temptation that, you know, wrecked, you know, your life or derailed you from, you know, things like that. And so um, they, they, I just remember them saying that. They're like, be proud of, you know, your testimony mm -hmm. and that that is the power of God in your family's life and your church's life. And they were like, that is what we want. They, that's what they're like. That's what we, that's why we're now saved. And we want that for our kids and for our family. So that's always stuck with me. It's like, I'm not embarrassed. I'm, I'm proud of it. So, but it's very fortunate and very blessed. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I sincerely thank you for sharing uh, that aspect. You know, that those remind me. reminds me of when I first when I first met you to actually have a, a conversation with you sitting down over a meal which I always love so intimate like I love sharing meals with people it's one of my favorite favorite things to mm -hmm. do it we the first thing we talked about was like our, our passion for the church and like what how the church impacts the way we look at all every aspect of our lives we, we talked about history we talked and we'll get to some of this stuff here in a moment but one of the things that I, it was immediately apparent in that that conversation, I was like, wow, this guy is so much deeper than what I thought he was. And not that I, and that's because I had no expectations. I didn't know what to, to expect. Yeah, I I'm never, the quiet guy I, with long yeah, sleeves. I had, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's what you are. I like, I yeah. never got a conversation with you. And, yeah. and every time I was talking with your daddy, he's always more interested in my relationships or lack thereof, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so he's when awesome. I, because uh, I, I knew your kids because I had seen them, you know, and you're, you're a father of four, wonderful husband, and what I've learned, an amazing father. So the question I wanted to ask you, because it's something that seems to be eroding in our, in our culture is what, what has your faith informed uh, about your life in regards to fatherhood and being a good husband? Like how, how does that relationship with Jesus, this mm -hmm. thing that obviously has been built for several years, something that was a part of you when you were a preteen, how has that impacted the way that you parent and the way that you're that you're devoted to your wife? Yeah, I mean, man, I, I would say I was informed biblically, and that was modeled for me at home, and then I observed it in the church, and therefore I didn't get my view of what a husband or a father is from the world mm. and culture and television and movies and music and, you know, at least not Christian music it's a, or non-Christian music. Although I did listen to, I, I did, I was engaged in the culture, right? I wasn't, <laughs> you said homeschooled. I was not a homeschooled kid. <laughs> uh, you know, I listened to rap and hip hop, you know, I, so, um, and watched movies and, and I was fully aware of what was going on in the world. Um, but I, I think it worked. Right. And so my experience was one of a high level of love and a high level of authority or discipline or biblical values. And so, you know, I'm not sure that that mixes in the current culture. People, you know, they think they think they have a high value of love, what their definition of love is, and a low value of the Bible. You know, um, yeah, that's a very good distinction. And, but I look at people, and they they say these things, um, but my background in school is counseling and psychology, and so I was taught to always note the discrepancy, whether it's what someone is saying, 
or how they're behaving, what the outcome is of their life. It's like you're saying this, but you're not getting the outcome you want. You're not content. You're not joyful. You're not happy. You're miserable. You're depressed. You are, you know, jumping from one high to the next or from one bandwagon to the next or one cultural push to the next. And so, I, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. I, I would no, say, please, just talk. We're just yeah, talking. Yeah, okay, We're okay. Um, um, so I think because I was raised in that upbringing and it worked and I felt the love and I saw it bear fruit in my parents' uh, marriage and in our upbringing, in our home. And um, I just, I think that I didn't have a reason. So God gifts people with different spiritual gifts and faith is one of mine. And I just, because of, I, I never wavered, right? And so because of that, I didn't feel the need to go do other things. I think people test other things, right? They're tempted yeah, by sure. other things. But I always are like, I'm like calculated. I'm always calculating like, what does that lead to, right? Sure. In my head. What's, and what's the fruit what's of that What's the outcome? Endeavor? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that leads to, yeah. the, you know, <laughs> depression, or that leads to drugs, or that leads to having a baby out of wedlock, or that leads to, you know, you just, yeah. it's like, yeah. th that's not for me. I don't want that. God doesn't say that. It's not in the Bible. It's not, it's like, it doesn't lead it's, to. It's not, for, it's not. It's not theologically in line with the Bible, but it's also not practical just based on what you can experience. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It. It's a. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's no. There's no fruit. Um, it's a cultural. It's a temporary high, but it is not. It does not lead to sustainable joy and contentment because it's incongruous to what how Jesus or how the Lord designed things. Did you did you see that like before your schooling in psychology? Were you doing that like at school? Maybe you meet some people. Was that something you you found yourself doing your entire life? Was hey, yeah. I have this faith, I have this gift of faith, but almost allowing other people to make those mistakes. So yeah, hey, look it, I won't I won't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah I think so because right, you have these apart from schooling, right? Like I have four kids, and they just you just notice their gifts. They're talents. Mm. They're different. And it, it's amazing, right? One is like, you know, just really good at school, naturally, like can read, can pick it up, can hear a lecture, can see, can regurgitate on a test and ace it, right? Another one has to work at it. Reading comes hard. It's a little slower to work hard. But you know what? That, that one can absolutely read a person like a book and he's like very savvy in a conversation and he knows how to manipulate people or whereas the first one doesn't doesn't have that skill set but he's just really intelligent right or you know and they all have they, they all have these different skill sets so you know I'm sure there's probably some personality right and some gifting sure. and what makes me me um, and that's probably what kind of lead led me a bit into counseling or psychology eventually, right? It, so it was, I went to Olivet to, to be a pastor, honestly, so um, first, and then I switched my major my freshman year, so to counseling and psychology. So I had my local minister's license here at Jackson Az, and I was doing a few sermons. Wait, are you for, serious? For, for Ken Garner and youth group and all that. I had no idea. And then, yeah, yeah, I was a religion major, uh, youth men, and, uh, and then I... I switched. I, I I mean, I prayed a lot about it and and sought counsel from people I trusted and loved. But I just, for whatever reason, um, 
so I, I still always had this desire to do ministry, but I felt like maybe God was going to use me as a Christian counselor, right? And that became the path. Mm-hmm. And then um, after graduation, got married with Ryan, and then uh, went back, stayed there and recruited at admissions, and then got my master's in counseling before we moved back here. But um, that's a long tangent off back from <laughs> the modeling and parenting. And I, and but now you're I, a salesman for equipment. <laughs> I am. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. So... That's why I tell people, like, I, I, I got my degree in religion from Olivet, and that's why I'm a used car salesman. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, um, yeah, I, I saw that behavior, and it led to fruit, and it was a joyful upbringing. Um, They're intertwined. Yeah, it's yeah. like, this is working. Why would I want something different, right? Yeah. Well, see, and that's fulfilling because that's, but that's natural. I, I mean... Greed is the number one sin that's like the most talked about like mm. warning in the New Testament. Jesus talks about greed more than anything else, but okay. I think a lot of that's sure. born off to like born after the idea that hey the grass is greener, there can be something better out there. I haven't tested those waters, so you never know until you try. I mean, that's a basic like Americanized like that's like entrepreneurship, that's going out on your own yeah. pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's almost I mean, that's almost in our DNA as Americans. So for you to not do that was it just because you saw people screw up so many things or i mean do you do you think you would have wondered or wandered away maybe for the faith uh due to your wondering if you didn't see people actually try something different and go oh my gosh like because some people are so insulated from that they're mm-hmm. so protected that they never yeah. get to see what other people live and like what those consequences are sure um i had a couple thoughts run through my head there i definitely I definitely had, I mean, I, you saw it all, right? I mean, went to public school. I mean, you went through life. I mean, you know, I saw what a what a bad home life did or what divorce did to kids or like just like everybody else sees in the whole world, right? Um, you know, what consuming um, bad movies, bad music did to your thought process and how you spoke to people and you know, what you thought about all the time and what was on your mind. And then you have your teenage years and you're de- dealing with hormones and, you know, and then people, you know, having sex before marriage and, and, and just all these, um, you would see all these temptations and it, they, all this sin led to devastation. And I didn't want the devastation. And so I was never tempted to the, not that I wasn't tempted, right? So it's just, it wasn't enough for whatever reason. And, you know, I'm going to give credit to God and the Holy Spirit and in, in somehow keeping me. Because if I wasn't a Christian, absolutely. I would have been, you know, when the, <laughs> you know, in, when I was like 12 years old and I dug a little bunker with a buddy and made a, you know, made a little fort and he pulls out cigs and offered me. And, you know, I would have, I would, you know, I would have jumped at trying it. But I was like, no, I don't want to. They smell terrible. I'm gonna, I was like, yeah. they're terrible for you. I don't want, you know, and, and um, you know, whatever that sin was, the temptation, um, I, you know, I totally would have jumped at that. It's only because uh, my faith. And um, I don't know, you, you know, there's people who are always like, you're, <laughs> even, even some of my friends now who I have lifelong friends who went to church with me, who grew up with me and are out in the world, they're like, you know, they're like, you're, you're the real deal, Nate. Or like, you're, you're zealous. You're still passionate for the Lord. You're like, 
serious about it. Like you still pray, you still read your Bible, you're still like as if it like wears off over time. You right, know? <laughs> right. And I'm like, how could you not be right? I mean, this life is not my own. This is the Lord's. I'm just a steward of well, Pastor Phil always said, time, talent, treasure. You get those three things. You're not guaranteed how much you're getting of those three things, but you have those three things. And you're to be a steward of it. And it's God's gift to you. And then he gives you talents to use them, right? And that's that's how I see it. It's like my life here is a gift. And when I die, it's gain. I'm going to heaven. And I think people, I think this all the time, um, like you know, I was reminded every day during COVID, right? I was like, we're going to die, people. Death is undefeated. Yeah. I mean, unless yeah. you're... Like, it's, it, it has one loss in human history. <laughs> right. It's Jesus. I mean, right. it's, it's one loss. Absolutely. It, but it's it's like, you know, I always think of like the military movies you watch and the great speeches before they go into war. And they're like, you need to understand one thing right now because they're freaking out and they're so afraid, right? right. And it's like, you're already dead. <laughs> This is the message, people. Yeah. Like, you need to understand you're already dead. But just your body. Mm-hmm. Eternally, true. you're going to live. And do you want to live in heaven? And do you want to live for forever? And do you want to, you know, live in perfect relationship and joy and contentment? Or do you want to go to the other place? Do you want to choose your own path, right? Yeah. And, and Oh, my gosh, choosing your own path. I mean, I've <laughs> had, you and I have had a pretty good life. And I'm thinking, you know, I haven't had to struggle a whole lot, but just all of the time, talent, and treasure I've been given when I've tried to control my own life and how mm. woefully short I fall of my own expectations oh, when I'm trying to do it myself. Yeah. Like, well, whether it comes to relationship or a career or just my own happiness, it just falls. It just flat on its face. Like, 100%. I just like, it was futile. You know? mm-hmm. and, and by the way, just to clear up something, a homeschool comment that I was mentioning your wife made. Uh, she's a huge fan of homeschooling. She has some experience with that. Yeah. Homeschooling is a We're great still doing thing. It. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Trust me. Like, it, it's, not a, it's not a shot. It's actually a positive thing. She, she saw a picture. Well, it was, it was like, a shot 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we laughed about that. Oh. oh, seriously, for you guys, like, if you could have the Sunday, like, brunches that I have with Nathan and his family, you guys, you guys would be so spoiled. Uh, we do nothing but laugh. <laughs> How tall is she? Six foot, six foot two? Yeah. Right? Six, <laughs> she's six foot. Six foot. A solid six foot. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a big inside joke, everybody. Um, but I... I fall so short of my own expectations and I've had a good life and yeah. I, I'm like, I'm starting so far ahead. So yeah, yeah I, that's hilarious that you bring that up. Yeah. You're already dead, gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> Just accept it. Yeah. Uh, they say that before all the <laughs> battles, right? Yeah. People are shaking and sweating and, and, and that's, that's what they say. And so, I mean, you're already dead. And it's like, I was, it's the same thing for COVID. It's like, yeah, you're already dead. I'm not saying you shouldn't be cautious, right? And you shouldn't be courteous to people, um, you know, that had, all of that, right? And so, and absolutely to the point, like that you said, I m- millions of mistakes every day. Yeah. Not perfect. Asking for forgiveness, telling my kids I'm sorry when I'm, you know, too harsh on them. You know, because I tend to be that side of things, and Ryan's a softer side. It's a great balance, you know. And the same sure. thing. Hey, you know, millions of mistakes, and they're wonderful. And I learned so much from her, and her her selflessness, and uh, and everything about my kids, and so. 
It's t- anyway. I didn't say what I was no. saying previously wasn't to say that there was no pat on the back, right? I got plenty of screw ups, so no. No, <laughs> I deserve I, hell, I, like just like everyone else. Well, yeah, and I, I trust me. I, I think your your genuineness in that comes across. Your faith informs every area of your life, but specifically when it comes to like being a good husband, a good father. When you have that model in the home, is something I absolutely can relate to, and that's why I would love to have my own children. Like I, I would love to see like my dad, who is the, one of the goofiest people you would ever meet in your <laughs> yeah, life, like interact with his like, yeah, grandchildren. Like it'd be great. My mom uh, would spoil them to death, and so I've been sure. blessed to like. This is what's so cool because I've interviewed James, Pastor James, uh, Mike Perry, yeah. like g- guys that like other people I know who are you know ten years older than me, basically yeah. 10, 15 years older who are amazing fathers. And like my closest friends, you know, in my life, you know, I have who are now fathers too, you know, in my discipleship group who live away from here. But as far as people in my immediate area, I I have uh, a one friend, Boyd and his wife, Alyssa, who your wife introduced me to. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot of friends my age. So when I got to know you, got to know your kids, I mean, it's just something, what I find incredible about children is that like your daughter, like when we're, when your daughter, um, like we'll be talking and she'll just come and just sit on my lap, you know, yeah. while while we're talking. Like I, I know what that means. Like my mom has tried to teach me what that means about like when you're a trusted adult in yeah. the care of a child and a child can trust you. I, I think I, when I, I used to volunteer once a year because that was only what you were getting out of me back at Jack's Naz. <laughs> I felt I almost did it out of guilt. I have to confess that to your wife. But when she was running okay. the, the children's ministry at the time, you know, we would volunteer and there would be kids that you're reading the Bible to, reading a story, doing a lesson. They would just... You know, you're you're sitting crisscross, and they come and just sit in your lap, and like right. I don't know this kid. Yeah. Like, why does this kid trust me? It's like it's an amazing privilege, and so having that modeled of like how do you responsibly interact with children, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, my goodness, um, is something that I am so grateful to you for hmm. because it's not just one person; it's several fathers that I know in my life that. Like, I know if I have children, I can go to you advice. I know that I, I see how you interact with your children. You just said that you were a little late tonight because you wanted to, you had a long day at work and you wanted to be able to just spend a little bit of time with them. Sure. I mean, yeah. heck, for me, it's like, don't we'll just cancel this, man. Spend time with your kids. But, like, <laughs> I know what that means to you. And so I, I want the listeners to know that I'm blessed because I actually have people in my life and I want them to tell them about their story. Like, why why is it that this this works? And so thank you for sharing that. I, and by the way, I think your point about COVID is well taken. I it's It was a reminder to us Americans that we're fragile. We do yeah. everything in our society to pretend that death doesn't exist. I mean, I'll, even in the church, we're not good at accepting it. Right, right. It's like, I, I'm ready to go. Are you not ready to go? I mean, I don't want to go, right? God does, I mean, we know right. it's... That, uh, that's what Paul talked about. Yeah. He's like, I don't even want to be here. <laughs> right, Exactly. I love it, you know, and I and I wanted it's it's fun, it's beautiful, and God created it, and it's wonderful. And we know that death is not natural; it's not what's supposed to have happened sure. originally. And that's that's why I was like, I don't know if you're an atheist, like, you, how can you, you know, you don't, you can't make. That's just crazy. I don't know how they process these things, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go, and so I just people were flipping out at COVID, and and just all the time in general. It's like really, you hold your life that close i mean it's like well if it's all if it's this is all that it exactly. is that i would imagine right and, and it's, but it's you're not saying that to to uh no. to say that we shouldn't take uh advantage full advantage of the gifts god's given us it's just right. a different perspective on this is this place is not our home this is only temporary even right. to those who are suffering uh as my mom has told me mm-hmm. when i have been sicker than a dog you know 
praying to the porcelain gods because I'm so sick. She <laughs> said she always says, "This too shall pass." Yeah. And it is a reminder: no matter how bad you might feel in a moment, it's not going to be forever. And that's easy for me to say, uh, versus people who are going through like serious diagnoses of, yeah. of illness and oh stuff. Oh goodness, yes. The hope that we at least have with Our, Jesus oh, is yeah. that it's temporary. For the people that don't, I mean, that's where I kind of the the fallacy with people are like, well. It's like if God is good, why is there evil? That type of argument always falls woefully short because yeah. if you erase God from that argument, all this stuff is still happening anyway. So what are you really angry at? Right. Like I, I don't like I understand oh, if you're like people the, are gonna be nice all of a sudden. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope. No, exactly. It's like the ideal that you that you think could be. Yeah, it could be that way, but that's not what reality is. It will be if you it, want yeah, if you want it, to go to heaven. Yeah, exactly. So uh I I, I take your point well. Um one of the things that that we t- that we talk about uh, a lot in our conversations, still, so like we we both care about our health. We we both yeah. uh, we've worked out together. That's another thing that yeah. bonded us is that I have somebody to work out with. Some health nuts here. Yeah, yeah. and and you're 15 years older than me, and sure. you are in better shape than most people half of your age. And okay. That's what's amazing. <laughs> and and so through our zone two running, um, maybe I haven't swam with you because I, I wouldn't, I'm not a fish. I can't keep up with you there. Um, you know, I, I think really the most impactful things is enjoying your hot tub. I think that's probably awesome. I, I think there's real biblical fellowship. <laughs> I think we need to practice more. Of we that. do need to do it more. Yes. <laughs> but playing basketball, uh, in the mornings when I'm feeling up to getting up before 6am, um, we have developed a bond and through that, the, a lot of the conversations we've talked about, um, some of the things just to name them, um, Lost civilizations, what's happened to, to oh, that? Oh, man, uh, I bib- love all the weird yeah. stuff. Biblical history, some, I guess, what you would call conspiracy theories. Yes. Uh, um, what, what, is, what is Flat Earth about? What is that conspiracy theory about? Yeah. Uh, what is space? How do we view what space is? Um, what about just the topics in church that we're just never, you know, we're, we're not actually ever exposed to? And I, I think you make a lot of compelling arguments. I know you, you have a you have a calling, or at least you have an interest in starting a podcast of your own. So, I, I which I I'll certainly be one of your first guests. I'll, I'll volunteer. Okay. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that you and I've talked about that we just we wish we either were taught in church, maybe growing up, maybe discussed in Sunday school, or at least talked about. And just yeah. from an intellectual curiosity standpoint, right. what why don't you think we're ever taught maybe not some alternative versions of what we were taught in? history class in like high school college but we're just not even told about biblical history what our bibles say about it like why why do why do you think we we know that as well is it just because we're not reading our bibles or are we not taught to read them properly what what do you you think i think this is our current you know 2024 americanized western culture that's influenced postmodern thought okay your truth is your truth. I'm not going to infringe on it. My truth is my truth, even though it can be the point of like mental illness. <laughs> um, you, you, it's just accepted or um, as truth. Or it, and you know, when I grew up, right? Um, bless their hearts. I had the most wonderful Sunday school teachers who loved me and you know. Uh, brought me to memorize Bible verses with candy bars and all these wonderful saints. And But what happened was you got this, um, do you remember the old felt boards where there would be like a scene in the background oh, yes. and there'd be like these characters of, you know, like Moses and Noah and they'd be moving them on these felt boards. Like that was kind of the, that's, you know, that's what we learn. We learn the big stories and kind of the, 
main themes of the Bible. And that just gets reiterated and regurgitated even all the way into adulthood because, you know, pastors go down and, you know, go to seminary and learn theology and a few things. But a lot of those things, again, it's, it's main themes. It's, you only have so much time to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so much to learn. And so I've been on a journey since about 2014, 2015. I was in a small group bonfire small group that we had and we were just just kind of being real with each other and praying and just you know we'd take turns bringing bible verses and messages to the group and things like that and I just remember getting to a point and praying I was like okay lord I was like this is a I'm a, this is a kind a pretty american and western viewpoint i have here and i said I've read the Bible multiple times, front to back, you know, and how, do we, how does revelation occur? How do we get to the point from today where we're at? I was like, well, things are pretty good. Now, I live in America, and I've been to Haiti. I've been to Mexico. I've been to some places, third world countries that are, it's not good, right? Haven't been to the Middle East, haven't been to China, you know, but where there's persecution, like, serious, can't have Bibles, et cetera. You know, but, you know, I'm thinking if... If we wanted to, we could cure world hunger. The, the first world countries don't care. Like, yeah. we could just go, teach them how to grow, get, you know, sustain, you know, cattle and milk and dig wells, right, and, and teach them. Now, you can't make them do it, but I mean, you could go teach them. We could, it's like, we could, we could cure hunger and thirst and illness. And, like, I just don't know how much the world, honestly, cares. And so I was just like, but, right? And, and so, again, it, it's pretty Americanized. But I was like, and a lot of places that aren't third world even aren't that bad, but there are some bad places. And I just was like, Lord, how do we get to where it's just going to be a revelation, right? Like where we get to the, and then God just started, uh, you know, taking me on this journey, showing me as I just was doing Bible studies and readings of how it's going to be. And I think the current culture looks at the Bible and thinks, and, and that's how this postmodern and Christian, it's led to this whole movement of deconstruction of faith. There's a huge movement of people that are just walking away from the faith, walking away from church, and deconstructing what they believed. Um, and I think it's because they're listening to the world and to culture instead of the Bible. So they read that, you know, oh, God had the Jews go through the the conquest of Canaan, right? And kill the Amorites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and right? All the ites, right? Go kill them. And then he was very specific about some, like murder all the way to the babies, right? The men, women, and children. And then some, it's just the men. And some, it's, it's like, why was that? Well, you know, and then you have people thinking, well, why did God kill everyone on earth at the flood, right? And they're like, why does evil exist, right? All these questions, you know, and it just over and over and over. And when they come from a Christian background that was maybe strict or my way is a highway, and they were only taught felt bored characters, right? <laughs> you know, they, and they, they don't have a whole lot of... To they did not with. have a deep understanding of, of the answers. There are excellent answers and truths as to why those things occurred, but people 
And even I, I mean, I didn't understand them, so I just went in search of what did historical Christianity say and believe? What did, you know, what did God say originally? What did, uh, you know, the first five Bibles, the, you know, the Old Testament, um, the books of the Old Testament, um, the Pentateuch, Pentateuch yeah. and then what did, um, what did the rest of the Old Testament say? What did the New Testament say? What did the disciples say? What did the fathers, you know, um, the, that that came right after the disciples, what did they write? What did they say? What kind of material were they reading? And so, so it's like this, this was born out of, this was all born out of this 10 yeah. years ago of, of yeah. wanting to get outside of this westernized understanding of, yeah. of the Bible. So yeah. how, is it, forgive me for interrupting, I just want to That's set the fine. context. So you yeah. go on this journey to try to find out how do we, how, how does Revelation, how do we get to a point yeah. where all the stuff in Revelation, what you're talking about, happens because life is pretty good right now, but it's only my perspective. Exactly. I'm just like curious how, you, so your first instinct was not to go necessarily outward. You were just go to look inwards and look at, maybe yeah. let the Bible first. What does the Bible say about these things? Yes. Okay. And and through these yes. through these deep dive, you met other Christians and you were and you were asking them questions about this, and they didn't have answers either. Is that was that how that's working? Well, I, the information's at your fingertips now, right? Sure. Um, for various sources, you just use the internet. But um, it was just I, I probably got I don't know five different Bibles, um, some studies. And you say uh, translations of Bibles? Is that what you're... Or yeah, some difference. I yeah. See, I think that's an issue too. People think like... I, I think people think the Bible was written by some men who were nice, but they were mistaken, right? Sure. They didn't understand, right? Yep. And so it's inspired to some degree, but it's not like, you know, really God's word telling me directly how I should live, right? People just don't... But believe that again, but when you have postmodern thought and you're deconstructing and you're like, I believe in a God and I would have a beer with Jesus, but uh, you know, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, but you know, if I believe this Old Testament stuff, God's a misogynistic, right, patriarchal, exactly. you know, um, God that's just you know, genocidal God, right? And that's that is such a current and shallow interpretation of what was true. There's s- s- such depth and beauty in the answers and grace and how God protected us from, you know, the giants of Genesis six mm-hmm. and the hybrids and the abominations that were created. Absolutely, we need to kill all the Hivites and the Canaanites because they were animalistic giant abominations. Right? They were mowing through the land. They were killing their children. They were sacrificing them. They were um, cannibalists. I mean, all the, there's, in the, anyway, God, there's so much depth there. And instead of like wanting to, or, or being drawn into that literature and understanding of what everyone basically in, in Christian history has known, has, has occurred, why it occurred and why God did this and has been fine with it. We're like, oh, I live today in 2024. Uh, oh, I don't agree with this. I'm going to go listen, to read a book, uh, you know, of, you know, Matthew Vines and what he says about sexuality and that, you know, it's okay to be homosexual. So Matthew Vines is smart and I like him. So I'm going to follow him, you know, and not the Bible and what everyone's always said to be true about our sexuality or, 
And, yeah, and, and just for clarification, like a- actual like homosexual activity, like a- sexual act- activity. Because yes. like I know there's people yes. who are celibate, of yeah. course, that that choose like, hey, I have this, but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna dedicate this to the Lord, just as much as there are heterosexuals who are celibate. I mean, you can look at yeah. nuns and priests for that, you know. Hopefully, so like you're, you're, but you're, that's what you're talking about, like yeah. the actual activity and yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, I, I mean, of course, there's a whole huge discussion there, and and it could be any. Sin, I, I, you sure. know, any sin, right? And any any sin, like mm-hmm. you, you had talked about greed or envy or gluttony or, you know, um, being unfaithful in a, in a marriage or loving money too much or it doesn't matter, right? Any sin. I'm just, the point was that people aren't running to the Bible. No, yeah, or and even to get an Yeah, to get an understanding because they think the felt board general message that they learned and just the themed messages that they hear on a Sunday, that's as deep as the Bible goes. And then these people, Bart Ehrman saying there's a million different discrepancies in the Bible. And you know, it's like, okay, well, even he says like 99.9% of them are just little words. It's not, it doesn't change the meaning, you know? Right. Like every, so they're, they're running to today and thinking, and so they're like, what my thoughts and feelings are today is what's right and accurate. Instead of having fear of the Lord and subjecting their life to what he wants. And he says, like, I shouldn't find my identity in any of the things that the culture is saying. I find, I find my identity, my relationship with, with Christ. Yeah. Which is not not ever changing. Right. Right. I mean, if you're trying to go with a culture, man, you're, you're changing all the time. It's exhausting. Yeah. Oh, it's exhausting trying to keep up with the, with the winds of change that just blow through because you might be a, Pessimist one day, an optimist the other day, and a realist yeah. the, the following day. It's like that, that that's so exhausting. I, I love what you bring up, the fact that your first your first instinct was to just go and read the Bible. I, I love the fact that uh, one of my favorite speakers says, if you think the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament, and that the loving and merciful God right. replaced the old, vengeful, <laughs> uh, spiteful God of the Old Testament... He, he likes to say that this is solved by the sophisticated process known as reading. All you have to do is read it. But right. no one really likes to go and read, you know, First Chronicles. It's right. not the most popular thing. But what you do right. is you get a history. It's not, yeah. again, it's not uh, Lovecraftian in its, in its prose, for example. But, you know, I have a bookshelf right over here to your left, my right. And that's full of a lot of the books that I got at Olivet. And... Last year, I had a I had a couple who got to know me from the theater, and they asked me, "Oh, they, hey, you're a pastor." It's like, so what books are you reading? And I said, "Norm on rotation, it's about sixty six. and <laughs> and I said, it's, "It's not because I like to demonize the books that I have." I said, "There, I have a lot of commentaries that inform the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite book outside of the Bible is the Pilgrim's Progress, which is a uh, allegory of the Bible of the hero's journey of of a pilgrim named Christian, and what I love about it is I want to know the Bible better than what I know a book that talks about a Bible. Yeah. But those books that are written by these, not scholars, but they're pastors, and I don't mean to demean them, but they're written sure. by pastors, and it's about, you know, they might inform one passage of Scripture, but otherwise it's just their testimony. They might make you laugh. It's 150 pages. It's a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. You know, First, Second Samuel, First, Second Kings are not going to be New York Times bestsellers. Right. But they are in the book that's the most widely distributed book in history. Yeah. That is the Bible that we know, the Christian Bible, 66 books. But it's all right in there. I mean, 
the fact of the matter in Nineveh, a city of 300,000 people, it was the greatest evangelistic mission in history yeah. done by Jonah, and he is pissed that God's going to forgive him. Yeah, like the biggest so evangelistic mission in the world history documented is the guy saying, God, you're wrong to forgive these people. Yeah. They Ooh. deserve to die. Right. And they repent, mm-hmm. and God forgives them. And then the end of that book says, how should I not forgive them? And basically, he's left hanging with his arms uh, at his side, looking at Jonah, and that's the end of the book. There's no conclusion. It's just, it's just the the pouting prophet and God saying, "How how can I not care for these people?" Right. And it, it's like the picture of divine mercy. And when you look at people, see, this is what's what's funny. Frank Turek makes this argument. He's great. Mm. He talks about you know the, the fact that we are, how can God exist when there's all this evil in the world? And it's like, well, here's a story of God getting rid of the evil, but then we're mad that he's getting rid of the evil. It's like, which way right. do you want it? Do you want the evil to exist or do you not? Right. And when people rebel and rebel and rebel and rebel, and he said are cannibalistic, they're sacrificing their infants. God has given them three centuries to repent. Yeah. Three centuries. That's right. older than our nation to repent. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give this invading force. You guys are... You guys are committing satanic acts, you, you have been given the chance to repent. You're not, you're, this is your judgment. God has every right to do that. Now, we in our own autonomy hate that. We mm-hmm. hate that God can just do that. But, yeah. you know, first off, the reality is without him, we wouldn't be here to begin with. Right. And then two, if God doesn't exist, then why are you mad? Yeah. It's just some random stronger army taking advantage of strong eating the weak. Okay. Right. If you're if you're eating each other and sacrificing your kids over the course of time, kind of like our culture, we're sacrificing our children. Yeah. We won't be around any longer. Exactly. You're gonna be weak because you're not bringing up young men to fight in the war. So it's like it's all, it's all completely illogical. Right. So I don't ever get why are you so mad? Why are you? It's it is emotional anger. It's it's emotional. It it, it is a an emotional argument wrapped with a fake intellectual verbiage that mm-hmm. and it's all all emotional i've yet to hear an atheistic ar- argument against the existence of god even across youtube all these people and there's always always undergirded with hatred anger oh, this yeah. idea of injustice it's emotional it's not logical it's religious yeah yes in a bunch of the, the big atheists currently are walking away from it because they know it's not working they yeah. know it's not true, yeah. and they are seeing the outcomes of our current cultures. And like, wait, 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 uh, no, no, you know what? Religion has a purpose here. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it is. You know, our Western like, Christianity built the West. It did. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other religion that would have. People argue that like our founding fathers were deists, but even so, you can't get our Constitution. You cannot get our Declaration of Independence without the Bible. Even if you are sure. a deist, so saying, "Yeah, I believe in God, but maybe not in Jesus." Well, guess what? You can't get the idea that all men were created equal from any other document. Humanism doesn't give you that. Atheism doesn't give you that. Islam, certainly. Buddhism, Hinduism, any other uh, religion won't get you that. So even if I want to play devil's advocate, yeah, maybe they weren't Jesus Christians, I say that, but they had had an awareness about them that this, the adherence to this religion gives you all these other things. Now, the other thing too, of course, they didn't live up to that standard immediately. It was Christian abolitionists who led the revolt against slavery. Of, uh, but we provided the framework to get to that point, you know. And then we have this wonderful o- overturning eventually of uh, Roe v. Wade, which puts it back in the states. Which constitutionally, I believe that's where it belongs in the first place. I still think it's evil, but I'm glad that states now have their voice to do whatever yeah, they want they can now. And, sure. and so I'm I'm happy on, on that level. But man, I think our modern day 
You want to talk about life and death? I think our modern day slavery for us in America is uh, is abortion. I think we're going to look back in 200 years. I think the way we look back at the slaveholders uh, today and look at how evil those people were, mm-hmm. 200 years, they're going to look back upon us saying the same thing. But it's actually instead of instead of where not all slaves, you know, not because first off, not all African Americans were slaves because that's not what they were in the free states. I know that. I know that based on. Uh, history, but also based on firsthand testimony during the civil rights era, that African Americans in our area were, were treated vastly different than than those down south, mm-hmm. because we're different. Where our country's so wide, we forget that nuance. There's nuance in these arguments, and what when you're looking at abortion, it's very black and white. It is, and I'm not talking about racially here. It's it's very much a simple. It's like life or death. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm just, I'm just wondering. You talk about revelation, like I, I'm just I wondering know. how much, how much longer can we, like, basically give the right. middle finger to God where He just doesn't, you know, zap us. Yeah, yeah, I, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, but in my studies, it's since you know roughly 2015, it's it's been, I'm just God has led me to truth, and. See, I think people want to be right, and they want to, culturally, they want to justify their sin, or maybe not their sin, but their friend or their family's sin. Mm. Well, what they're doing, I love them, and a loving God wouldn't send them to hell, so I have to figure out a way, biblically, to still be Christian, but justify that their sin's okay and they're not going to hell. Yeah, and it's it's and motivated I, out of a good. They want to. It's not like they have a, they it's have not a, evil motive. It's just they. Yeah, they have a soft heart. They yeah. love people, but you know, I I have soft heart to my kids, but I still tell them the truth. Yeah, you know, I don't let them play in the street. Yeah, they're still disciplined. They're you still, can die, yeah. right? I mean, that path leads to death, and, and you still have to be honest with them. So it's not that it's not loving. It is loving. The loving thing to do is to tell people the truth, and not how. I want to tell them the truth, right? You can't be, you know, brash and loud and abusive and beating over the head. And it can't be, I also can't be soft and say, oh, do what you want, right? It has to be, what's the truth? And what does God tell you? Why do you think, it, even especially for us Christians, why, obviously I know it's easier to kind of, you know, kind of cut corners a little bit, but why? it seems like it's becoming more and more difficult to find people who are willing to do that. Why do you think that is? Um, what do you mean? Like rephrase your question. Um, Telling the truth is hard. Yes. Why is that becoming more difficult? Mm. It, so you have this whole cancel culture component going on where if you do speak out, you know, you're just going to get it, you know, whether it's Typically, I would say that's through like social media, right? Facebook or YouTube or, or podcast or something like that, right? If you just, if you're speaking the truth, but you should know, right? I mean, Jesus tells us, you know, we're going to be not liked. We're going to be persecuted, right? We're going to be hated. We're going to be hated. Yeah. Pick up your cross, right? Be prepared to die. And so, you know, and I've learned some lessons through, you know, COVID and, you know, the election seasons or the last few times and just like in responses in people, right? And things that I've posted and, you know, it's like, okay, I, I have to think about it. It's like, okay, am I posting something? Okay, is this in the funny bucket? Just as it's just 
comedic, but, you know, is this going to make someone mad? Is this inflammatory? Is this, you know, um, you know, and then, and then people will come bite off your head and it's like, how do I respond to that attack? You know, do I not respond at all? I don't have the time or should I respond? Should I, you know, do I respond privately? There's just, you have cancel culture and you have people, and I've actually had some personal experiences where, um, my deconstructing friends and family have, <laughs> who say they're the tolerant ones, have been the ones that have really been bit not tolerant to me at all. And so I've had to have, you know, respond well to that in love, even though they were in the wrong. But um, they didn't apologize <laughs> for saying, it's like, oh, you, you weren't tolerant to my view. I was tolerant for yours, but you, you know, well, I don't know if it's in particular one situation where I was I was privy to a situation last last year, which I'll just say that that's where I'll leave it. But I sure. I, I I witnessed that firsthand of you calmly. You know, I I, I bragged to my mom about it. I said I I witnessed a, a gentleman hold his boundaries but do so calmly, where you weren't yelling, you weren't you weren't you know um, upset, but you but the situation you didn't think it was appropriate, and you just calmly. You know, and I I thought it was really well articulated, communicated your point. And I'm thinking, how many people do I know that would say, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. You're going to listen to me. Because it's like, because that's how I want to be sometimes. And I just thought that was such a beautiful example, especially for your your family that was around. I'm trying to be as vague as possible. Yeah. Uh, That was so awesome. To, yeah. to see, so I, I can understand what you're talking about because I because I witnessed it. I know what you're talking about. I know what I because I witnessed it firsthand. And I don't. I certainly get it wrong a, a lot of times. And like I said, that was the first thing I said was I I, I have gotten it wrong, mm-hmm. whether it be on social media or other ways. So I'm trying to think of ways to communicate truth. And that's that was my idea. For, like I meant, we talked about a, starting a podcast or something. You know, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how. I don't have time probably for. Pod, I got to figure out a way. But I just feel like, do people not see this? Like I'm talking to friends and family that have deconstructed. And it's like they don't have a clue. Yeah. Like so. Let, let me just answer. So hold on to that thought. Yeah. Can you define what you what you see in deconstruction? Like I know what it is, but could you for the listeners? When you talking about this this philosophical approach to deconstructing your faith. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, and I think there's some different definitions, but essentially what, when I say that, what I mean is people who would claim, you know, like a classical Christian background or upbringing or belief system that no longer believes that in the way that they did. And so because they've been challenged spiritually, intellectually, scientifically, to believe different, that the Bible's not true, or that, you know, their friends have convinced them that this life, a certain lifestyle is acceptable, and God still loves them, and they would be fine, and they won't they want to get sent to hell, so they, you know, they want to justify it, or, you know, they're deconstructing out of what they believe before to be, in always growing in your faith, and learning more, is, is good. Right. And so I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't be, it's like, it's not like, Hey, here's the old felt story. Just stick with that on the surface level and never grow deep. Right. I'm not mm-hmm. su- suggesting that, but it's like, they've thrown the, 
baby out with the bathwater. It's like we just got rid of our faith. Staying religious but rejecting Jesus and His teaching. One hundred percent. That's yeah. essentially what we're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. so you so you you witnessed this with your with friends and family. People. Okay. Yeah, with lots of people, and um, it's a big movement. I think that's why people are leaving the church is because they're believing in science or I would say scientism, uh, fake science, or they were challenged. You know. That, you know, someone pointed out, look at this. This looks like a discrepancy from the Old Testament to the New. How do you, you know, and they're like, oh, I don't, I, they scratch their head. I don't know. Because that's like, I was only taught a felt board, you know, uh, faith. And um, instead of like diving in to the answer that's already been there for hundreds of years from the forefathers, you know, in Christianity, um, the stalwarts of the faith or the disciples or Jesus himself, like they just... They believe what current culture is telling them. So they're deconstructing out of that. And now some totally deconstruct from their faith and they don't believe the gospel anymore. They become atheists. They, you know, they walk away from church, what have you. And others, they know having faith in Jesus and God and the Bible is right, but they have to manipulate the truth of the word to have their half-truths or believe what they want to believe to justify whatever, so. And that, I mean, it's it's a, it is the temptation to humanism, a very narcissistic face, especially us millennials, oh, yeah. Gen Z, very much predisposed to that. And social media forces that upon you. Oh, yeah. It's like everything's a production, so you have to constantly be acting. Like, who doesn't like, back in the day, 10 years ago, the Vine videos or just TikTok videos? But, I mean, what we don't notice is that you don't notice how I, one of the things I realized is like how good young people are at acting in their own videos, like their facial expressions, like they're really good because it, it's a production. And that's how you get followers is you make a really good production, but it's not real. It's been edited. Mm-hmm. It's been planned. It's been choreographed. It's been ran through a few times. Mm-hmm. It's produced. memorized. Yeah, it's produced. And when you can do that because you're the central character, you play the central character, you have a voice, everyone has a very powerful and opinionated voice. It's Everyone has a right to voice their opinion, but I heard somebody say a couple of days ago a common, um, a comment on that not everyone deserves a microphone um, to, to blast <laughs> out their opinions. Yeah, I, I find this, this temptation to say, I'm going to make my faith my own. And like I, I'm going to piecemeal this together and say I'm going to accept this tenet, reject that one because... Yeah, it was just a bunch of old white men who put this together. It's like, no, no, it wasn't, okay? Right. Uh, even if it half of that was true, it wasn't white men who put it together. Um, <laughs> so right. I find I find this, though, this topic, it's biblical illiteracy is the theme. Mm-hmm. Well, whose fault is that? I, it's my opinion, that is the shepherds. I I, I put I put it right back on the pastors, the yeah. teachers and preachers, who preach out of either a, a sampled rotation dictated by their doctor by the their doctrinal uh, beliefs, their denomination, or if it's non-denom like me, where you're not really held, you just can do whatever you want. Um, it's the getting rid of Sunday school in a lot of cases, and I have a lot of criticism to say about some churches during the pandemic to really show who was committed, but also maybe just getting rid of Sunday school and actually educating people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The church, and it's is not really an educating system. 
I mean, we go to worship God, right. but we also have the ability to teach people during Sunday school as a form of worship because it's part of the it's part of spiritual gifts is being able right. to teach. I mean, we're flat out instructed to teach and instruct people mm-hmm. in the ways of the word. But if we never do that, and then we're concerned about the quality of the faith of our sheep, I'm speaking as a as a shepherd, as a pastor, I, that that starts with me first and foremost. Now, God's grace is being able to reach people beyond what my failings are, which are wide and many. The church, both Catholic and Protestant, has failed in that regard, of course. Especially we talk about children, about taking about taking advantage of the least of these. They we're horrible. And because we're flawed, we're, we're human, but but masquerading as something holy while not while doing unholy things, like first thing we need to look at is clean up our own house. That's me. You know, I don't want to debate an atheist. I don't want to debate, debate an agnostic. I want to be able to keep the Christians that are in the church in the church. I want to be able to educate them. But I think it falls squarely on our shoulders as teachers because where else are people? I mean, I think you have to show people the value of the Bible before they'll just go home and read it. Well, sure. how do you do that? Well, let me show you by how I live my life. Yeah. And I want to tell you how enthusiastic I am as a pastor about this thing. So we're going to talk about First um, Chronicles 7. For example, today, mm-hmm. yeah, guys, like bring your pads and paper to the sermon. We're gonna learn something today. Yeah, I'm gonna break show it you. down. Yeah, and not shy away from homosexuality, abortion, adultery, divorce. Yeah, how about that one? That's uh, that affects pretty much everybody based money. on statistics. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the problems with greed and money. Let's let's dare I say bring up pornography, which affects most people in this country now. The yep. things that I, I don't think there's. I said this a few few weeks ago, forgive me for, for uh, proselytizing here, is that I don't think there's anything too ugly for the pulpit. I think you can be profane from the top, top uh, from the pulpit, but I also think you can approach any topic if it's done with respect while you're talking to adults and saying, we need to be mature adults here. All of us, especially people, uh, I mean, we're all in the real world with our jobs. Most oftentimes, the most sheltered people are the pastors, and yet we we want to protect the flock. Like we're the ones that are out in the world; they know everything. Yeah, it's like there, there's nothing you're not going to tell your average congregation on Sunday morning that they haven't heard, seen, or um, done right. themselves. Right, it's that simple. So this idea is like we can't mention alcohol from the pulpit. Like, what are you talking about? Right, sixty percent of the people in here have, have dealt with alcohol problems. Like, or sex. Just yeah, or... I'm just. Throwing it, I, that's not a real stat. I'm just saying. Uh, for but I, I think it's on us. I mean, would you agree with that? Do you think it starts with the teachers first? Yeah, yeah. So I think. So again, it goes to <clears throat> giftings, and so I think it would be on maybe on the Sunday school or another. I <clears throat> as a, it's more pastoral, right? Pastor pastors have a role, then maybe perhaps lay leaders. I, but different pastors take different approaches, right? Some are just, you yeah. know very broad and very um, topical and um, just kind of gloss over things. And then some are deep, right? And I, I, So, yeah, but um, I, my, uh, yeah, that that's why I feel compelled is because I felt like God has been teaching me truth and teaching is one of my gifts. And so I thought I need to find a vehicle to, to teach some of the truths that the Lord to has been speaking it. to me. Yeah. yeah so to share this. like we talked about like people confusion and not understanding. It's like, you know, most people think like, oh, original sin was, you know, you know, the snake and the serpent came to Eve and then tempted her to eat the apple and then Adam and then, you know, oh, that was it. It's like, well, for, you know, it's really interesting about the snake and why she wasn't freaked out. And it's like, was, you know, I start learning like, 
terminology of angel means messenger, and then and then you start looking like, oh, there's actually different classes of angelic beings and hosts. And when you read like different passages, it's like, well, some are reptilian and some are have different heads and some have wings and some have, it's like, so maybe he was a, you know, a reptilian. And it, it, anyway, there's all these, but then they don't, they think that's it. Like, okay, Adam and Eve and kicked out of the garden, that's sin. And that's why, but, and then they don't realize, no. And then you go to Genesis six and you have the watchers, the 200 angels that were given charge over humanity and supposed to be watching us and helping us. And they made a pact on Mount Hermon to have um, take wives and to have offspring. And they created genetic hybrids, abominations. And that's where we get all of our demigods and all of our stories from the Greek, you know, Clash of the Titans. That's the stylized version of it. Previously to that, what happened? And so you have these huge giants roaming around, which are hybrids, you know, and you're mixing species. Think of like a, a liger, right? You've mixed a lion and a tiger together and it produces this enormous liger, right? And it's, and you have this hybridization. And so, you know, the Bible and other passages or like Enoch or Jasher or Jubilees, they're, they're the book of giants, they're saying these things were enormous and they were just cannibalistic and they're just mowing people down and eating and they're just tearing up. And so God judged the watchers and said, your sin is so egregious and grievous that you're going to watch your children you know, your offspring, these abominations die, kill each other off over the next 500 years. And that's where you get the clash of the Titan stories for the Greeks. And then they were bound in Tartarus, the lowest level, until to be released at a later time. And you're so, referencing the book of Jude there, which which mentions yeah. that. So you mentioned the book of Enoch, which is not in our canonical 66 yeah, books, but it, you're is, in but it is, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's but, referenced yes. in, if re, it's referenced and quoted in the book of Jude oh, yeah. and it parallels Paul, Genesis Jesus. chapter six. They and, all referenced it yeah. and quoted so, it. So even some people are saying, well, if, if, if only you had like, if you derived all truth from 66 books of the Bible, then obviously you wouldn't be able to learn a whole lot in school today, which is true because you can verify it with a scientific method. You can read about history, like Absolutely. even recent history that happened two years ago because somebody put it in a book. It doesn't mean that outside of the Bible that there isn't truth to be had about documented history. These other books that were referenced by our biblical writers, like wouldn't yeah. you think those should be other things we could read, especially if the, if the biblical writers yeah. in our current canon reference something else? It'd be, it'd be interesting to go learn about By the that. disciples and Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not saying, you know, people are like, oh, be careful. I'm like, I'm not saying it's the canon. I'm not saying right. I'm learning yeah about my relationship to the Father directly and how salvation and, you know, yeah. through, I'm getting that from the Bible. But there are other, yeah, you need to... Yeah, people are World War II historians. They go and read others, those other books. Yeah. They're, not, they're not replacing right. that with the Bible. Exactly. And those are good historical yeah. books. And so that's exactly... And so you have to put, and that's one thing I learned, you have to approach the Bible as though in context. That's, that's the key. You have to, in context... And in the original language. So that's why I got some of these other books and I bought Logo software is to actually go back to the original language and to see it, you know, how it was literally read. And that's like, people are like, oh, that's your interpretation. Now, if you read the Bible, it's like, no, the Bible was interpreted into English, but it was actually written 
you know, and we know what they meant. We know if it was poetry. We know if it was a metaphor or simile. Yeah. We know if it was literal, historical. We know that. It's not a question. Mm-hmm. They said it. The people after them, they knew. They explained what they were saying and why they were saying it. And the people behind them knew that. And it isn't until recently when we are like, took those, interpret them to English, and then now we're like, oh, this is just a loose interpretation. We really don't know what they meant by it. Or they said, no, 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 we know what they meant. And we said it. And it's been restated over and over and over again throughout all of like, you know, history, Christian history. Um, So that's what I've been learning is just going back and reading. It's like, I don't believe the Sethite view that they're humans. It was angels, the watchers came down and they're like, wow, that's fantastical or that's supernatural. Well, yeah, so is the birth of Christ. So is the death and resurrection of Christ. So is, you know, all of the Bible yeah. is supernatural, right? How I'm going to die and continue to live for forever. Like, yeah. Lazarus, can you just throw on there the feeding of the 5,000, yeah. the walking on the on water? On and on we yeah. go. So they're like, and that's just the New Testament. People yeah. who are like, well, because people, people I think have a, a better trusting version of the New Testament than they do the Old Testament. Yeah. For so, whatever reason. Yeah. And so, and so people are like, I think people would have and maybe be less. They, I don't think the people that are deconstructing, because I've talked to them know these answers are like wait a minute wait a minute there was like hybrids yeah you think the egyptians just drew like minotaurs and satyrs and like you know half ha- like no the dogmen of moab that people went it's in the bible like read it there's dogmen of moab and then there's dogmen hieroglyphs all over like the saint saint christophorus or whatever was like a dogman who's supposed to be saved and now a, a, a saint in the catholic church like a dog like this stuff literally happened. These watchers came down, created hybrids, and then in these other books, they specifically say they created um, hybrids between humans and non-animals. Mm-hmm. So they genetic they messed with the genome, the ge- genetics. God punished them, threw them in Tartarus. You have these people, that, you know, their offspring are abominations. So that's where we get demons, right? So they don't go to heaven. They don't go to hell. Their spirits have to wander the earth from that time on when they lose their bodies. That's why demons want to inhabit bodies or animals or inanimate objects or because they don't have a body to inhabit. And so, like, these are all these things I'm learning. And then people don't realize, so we rejected Christ at the garden. We rejected him at Mount Hermon and the abomination. Like, that that was a devastating thing from his uh, heavenly family, but also from us. And then we get to the third rejection. Uh the Tower of Babel, right? And so it says Nimrod became like um, a Rephaim or like a great one or a giant or an abomination like had happened with the Watchers. And they said, and God said, let us go down and tear this tower down. And so, because he said, spread out, right? Go make the earth like the Garden of Eden, spread out, go make children and, and grow. And Nimrod's like, no. Let's all get together here, build a city, and build it up. And he's like, nothing will be restrained from them if we don't go down and confound the languages. So that's where he gives us the 70, 72 or 70 languages. They're broken up into those districts. And God appoints, sorry, I hit the boom. Uh, He appoints um, angelic hosts over those nations, over those 70. And he says, my portion will be Abram and Sarai, you know, Abraham and Sarah, or become the Jews. And not only that, they're old and they're barren. 
They have so nothing. It, they, they have, have nothing. nothing to offer. Exactly. So it will be through me and through my miracle and my intervention that we will create the Jews out of this and that I will. So he, basically God divorces the nations, the people at that time because we've rejected him three times. And he spreads them out because of the languages and he appoints heavenly council members to watch over them. That's why there's so many different gods in different count, you know, countries and all over because they had lesser gods. Now, when we hear the term God, G-O-D, we think, okay, that, that can't be. It can't be like, it's not Yahweh. They're not omnipotent. They're not, you know, you know they don't have his attributes. None of them have his attributes. They're all lesser beings. God, lowercase G-O-D, just means uh, disinhabited um, spirit. So the refer, the God, if you go back to the original, like the Septuagint, it means like, you know, there's animals that are gods, there's angels that are gods, there's, and so it just means it, this, this, you don't have a body, you're a disinhabited spirit. So he takes his family, he sends them down, he says, watch over these people, rule them rightly and in righteousness and as I would. And he puts them over them as a responsibility. And that's where that you have all these other tribes and nations having other gods. And he says, my portion will be these two. And then he creates the Jews out of that. And then that's why he gives them all the, because he pulls them out of these sinful, um, you know, idolatry. um, And he has to reteach them. Mm -hmm. And so, but, and just for the right, you're referencing, what passage of scripture are you referencing for people to go and read? And, oh, and look this up. It's a bunch. I have to pull pull it up. Like, yeah. I yeah yeah yeah. I can um basically start with the book of Genesis. Right. Genesis six. It, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you you get to Genesis six and you'll start reading about the the Watchers, yeah. of Mount Hermon, which and people it, would they're probably not familiar with that term. The Nephilim is what the, yep, the most the Nephilim me, yeah yep. the most English translations use. Yep. So the Nephilim were on the they're giants on the earth. The Nephilim roamed the earth in those days. Yes. So right there. Now the yeah. book of Enoch is also a big a big reference here. Um, yep. I know, um, yep. and again, as, as far as um, the the canonicity of it, it's difficult. You guys can can do your research on why it was excluded from the canon. Um, I know that it was considered history by the by the Jewish writers, but they did not. I can't speak into that, but what you're referencing, probably people have never heard in their life before. Sure. I remember I was I was. Uh, one of my ex-girlfriends, uh, their, her father was talking about the Nephilim one day, and I went, what the heck are you talking about? It's, like, it's right there in Genesis 6, go read yeah. it. And I'm like, I've never heard. I, it, it sounded yeah. like he'd grown a third eye. Yeah. I was like, I was looking at you know, somebody who it Says they were as tall as cedar trees yeah. I'm thinking, what are you, like, what are you talking about? In the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought he had stepped off uh, a flying saucer in Mar- like from crazy. Mars. Uh, it's crazy. And, yeah, but it's right there. Yeah. And, and so it's just this, the, it's this... It's God's story, right? All yes. of history is God's story. And he is, he's allowing choice because they, I've heard this more recently than ever, but God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself upon you, right? So he's there fighting for you, welcoming you into the family, wants to graft you in, wants to love you, bring you into the fold. Um, and he's get, He died on the cross for you. He's going to do everything he possibly can, but he will not force you. He didn't make you a robot. He didn't make his angelic hosts and family robots. They had freedom of choice, and they all have, we've all screwed up, right? And so it's him allowing people the choice. What do you want to choose? Do you want to live for yourself? I'll allow you to do that. 
Do you want to live evilly? Do you want to live for Satan? Do you want to live, you know, or just for yourself? Or do you want to live for me? And he's letting us choose. He's letting us choose. Now he's fighting for you and he'll do anything he can to, to bring you into the fold. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to force it. And so, but people don't understand why there were literal giants and hybrids and abominations and that's why he flooded the earth because the genome was so screwed up. Like they knew if they screwed up the genome because God said back at the garden that, you know, her seed will bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. But if they could stop the seed, the birth of the Christ, the Messiah, mm-hmm. so they're screwing up the genome because it, they're thinking and, and this we, isn't possible. Yeah, and we know from our New Testament, um, this is before the foundation of the, the, the world was laid, the, the lamb was slain. That's right out of Revelation. Mm. It's, it's been talking about the idea, at least I believe it's Revelation, um, that it's we were not an afterthought. God just right. didn't go, oh, man, now i got to come up with a plan B. The plan was but, to bring us together. Yeah. Bring, come down yeah. and live with us, with yeah, his angelic harmony. host. In exactly. har- yeah, here on earth. And that's what's going to happen with the New Jerusalem, right? Yeah. It says it's going to, heavens are going to open up like a scroll and it's going to descend. New Jerusalem is coming down. Yeah, and I think people even talk about like the theology of angels. We don't really talk about that very often. You know, they're mentioned um, all, like so much in our scripture. And we don't really, we just kind of don't ever talk about it. We don't have a really good understanding of them. And yet what you're even talking about too is that we, what we believe as Christians is that yeah. we believe God did not create out of selfishness. He did not uh, create out of narcissism. He was already existing in a living and loving relationship with himself, and that's the Holy Trinity. That's yeah. the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all existing as one yeah. before. It was the Spirit hovering over the waters. The yes. idea that, you know, it was just let let us make man in our image. It's not that's not a oligarchy of gods. It's one God, capital G, and it's himself being manifested. The Lamb was um, existed before time. The spirit that Jesus gives after he ascends. Uh, is the spirit of God with him. I mean, that's one of the things I love about the disciples is that, you know, if Jesus was right here next to you and me, like a buddy, mm-hmm. we wouldn't want him to go anywhere. But yet he ascends and leaves, but he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit yeah. before Pentecost. And the, and the disciples go away more encouraged than when they saw him. It's like, well, they must have had him. They they felt that pneuma, that wind, that Holy Spirit mm-hmm. we talk about. Yeah. That was all existing before all of time began. Yeah. And... Then God creates the heavenly hosts. He creates heaven and earth. He separates them. He brings us just out of pure love, and he invites us into a relationship with him, but he gives us free will to be able to reject him. But there are consequences, of course, to that rejection because even if he doesn't want to punish us, we end up punishing ourselves because we... We're living out of his design. We're living out of design because he knows exactly what's best for us. Just like, like you mentioned earlier, a parent knows what's best for their child. 100%. Um, and yeah. it's because the child's world is like just just so tiny. Right. And in that moment, they don't see the bigger consequences. And, uh, and that's, I, that's I think, with the people that are deconstructing, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're just looking through a little teeny tunnel yeah. in today's cultural view that's current, and they're not going back to the past. What, we, what was said, we actually know. It's not interpreted. It's not... We know what they said. Sure. And it's been believed through all... History and so in the explanation, in the understanding, is so much better. It's like, oh, God's not, He's not, He's loving, His grace. He saved humanity from these evil, ginormous abominations mm-hmm. through a flood because Noah's genes genetically was pure. His line was pure, and that's why they took him in. And then there was 
another a Rephaim, not Nephilim, but the lesser versions after the flood that came back. We don't know if it's because of the second incursion. We don't know if it's because the three wives that Shem, Ham, and Japheth took in with them were from, had some genetic manipulation because it said all flesh was corrupt, including the animals. So you know they're mixing species and hybridization, and they're doing that stuff now. Pigs, ear, you know, making human parts and animals right. and cloning, and they're talking about AI, and they're talking about sentient beings, and they're talking about, you know, chips and internet and prosthetics and robotics. I mean... Now that's what we're talking about. It's like civilizations. We don't know how advanced society became before the flood, and they could have developed a much different way than what we have, like with a very much yes. a petroleum plastic-based society with yeah. with chips like like our technology is basically petroleum driven like that's what it is yeah and we that's not necessarily how i mean there's a lot of scientists now you can look at dr randy carlson you can look at um some other archaeologists such as graham hancock who talk about the idea that there was some sort of manipulation with magnetism and frequency to be able oh. to move large things Hunter. and being able yes. to so like they 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 suggest and again they're not godly people but it's funny is that I find more that these modern rejected by modern um, archaeologists right. these guys who are like basically proving like yeah that sounds very much like the Bible you're talking about like a world cataclysmic world like flooding event 100%. the idea that tech, that uh, there was a lost human civilization that was really advanced that's why the pyramids like we still don't really know how they oh. did it it's yeah. like. This is describing life before, yeah. All these megalithic structures. We can, yeah. we can't move these rocks. We can't yeah. cut these rocks. We can't move. Not them. with the precision they had. No, no, not at all. Without lasers, you can't fit air through these. I mean, yeah. they're so tight, and they're like, it looks like a kid stuck a bunch of melted blocks together. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, and so just the ability to do that. I mean, they obviously had technology. Plus, I mean, we didn't. Ha I mean, if you look at Africa, I mean. There wasn't a huge desert there. I mean, it was different. I mean, yeah. it was lush. It, it's almost as if, again, all the continents were together. The water came from underneath, separated Broke it everything. Because people are like, so. how in the world did they have these megalithic structures like in the Amazon rainforest that mimic the style of stuff that's in Egypt? I think like, it was like Pangea. Yeah, because it was all together. And, and it says the waters of the deep broke forth. And yeah. I think that broke all the continents apart. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then the flood destroyed and put made uh, wrecked and Africa. So you have you desert. Yeah, you wouldn't find any of this stuff, man. That amount of water, that much destruction, yeah. separation, earthquakes. I mean, we yeah. see how much just a tsunami can do to one country in Japan, unfortunately, mm -hmm. how much devastation. You imagine something that's like on that scale, but times like 10,000, yeah. what it would do for lasting, you know, you know, instead of, you know, yep. one day of flooding, it's or one yeah. tsunami, it's, 40 days of torrential destruction. Exactly. You would you would never find any of that lost technology. You might yep. find symptoms and clues. Yep. So some of the information, you'd asked me one question I, I, just, I just didn't want to forget. So like Michael J. Heiser, Dr. Heiser, uh, passed away a year ago. Um, I think he had cancer. and uh, But he, he wrote books on angels, demons, and uh, supernatural. And so there's a lot of great information in there. And he is a... Ancient Semitic language guru could read and write like in eight different languages. And he was like the main go-to guy for Logos Bible software for like a decade. He worked there. Everybody basically went to him at the end. And so um, he has a ton of information on, on this. And he calls it the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. And so it actually talks, you'll read about the Pantheon. So like God speaking to his watchers. And then if you go into Psalms, 
think it's Psalm 82, you'll see another passage where I talked about the Tower of Babel, and then he divided up the nations and divorced the nations and said, I'm going to take this as my portion. You take the rest, and you guys rule them. Later, in like Psalms, he is ripping them a new one, saying, you will die like men. You have not ruled them. You have not protected the widows. You have not protected the children. You have not, you know, you're just doing it all wrong. And so you will die like men. You will be judged by humans. And I mean, it's amazing. And so there's just this huge story. He has this heavenly family and this earthly family. And he was going to bring us all together. And we, both sides, screwed it up. And so the story is his story of redemption and allowing choice and free will for us. He's calling us there, but he's not going to force it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I, I don't know. I've just, I've just learned so much. I mean, I just I feel like I'm not always maybe the best explaining it. So I think I'm going to probably do something where I'm just connecting people. Say, hey, I'll watch this video. Check it out. I want to know what you think. And maybe I just connect people to all these different sources that I've been reading and watching and let people decide. But maybe it can give them some faith back where they've deconstructed And it's like, oh, I thought God was vengeful. But no, he was actually protecting humanity from these people. Or he was, the watchers occurred. I didn't even know about the watchers, right? I didn't know about the Nephilim or the giants. Oh, now it makes sense when, you know, he's having David do the conquest. They were hybrids and abominations and genetically mutated. And he's having them wipe them out. And he's also proving a point that the Jews are my people and they're chosen people. So... Um, it's really about, and Michael Heiser says this all the time, it's about geography and territory and who had jurisdiction prior to Christ's coming. So there was legal, so to speak, jurisdiction that Christ, God gave to these lesser gods to rule over these people until Christ came. And that's why he hid from them. There's allusions to the Trinity, to Christ, before they knew of the birth of the child, but they never would have killed him because they didn't know that when he rose from the grave as a perfect lamb, sacrificial lamb, Mm -hmm. now he has the keys to decide and to allow people back in to right relationship with him. So they never would have killed him. It just wrecked their plan. And so that's why in the Old Testament, you the son of God, the son of man, and you have all these illusions. He comes as an angel at times, but... um, you know, they tried to kill all the children, you know, yeah. at his birth, and they and they didn't. Yeah, that was their plan. They tried to there they tried to get rid of him because, as you said, like the idea that um, it was going to set up like he's going to be an enmity between you yeah. uh, and and man. Like that's it's a beautiful story. I think it adds into the fact that uh, God's love outpouring to us just from creation, knowing that we're going to reject Him, but His constant pursuit, like you said, yeah. pursuit. But being a gentleman, saying I am, I I will fight to the death and go to the grave for you from the very beginning. Right. And the the plan, the the fight that um, he's fighting against. Of course, he's created everything. He's all powerful. Yeah. Um, and yet we still blame him for everything. 
it's it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's well, um, so buddy, I really yeah. do appreciate you yeah. taking time tonight yeah. to all the chat with this. For for people who are interested, maybe want to do summary. So you name the scientist again that you are in the or the scholar that you. Oh, would Dr. Say. Heiser, Dr. Dr. Michael Heiser, Dr. Michael J. Heiser, H E I S E R. Okay. Um, so look at his work. You can find him on YouTube or yeah, what? he's got a ton. The Naked the Naked Bible podcast. Um, he's famous for that. It's a huge podcast. Um, but if you just look up Dr. Okay. Michael Heiser. And then yeah. get familiar with the Old Testament. Read read the Pentateuch. Get really familiar with that. Uh, I would I would certainly suggest. Um, and so, again, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yeah. Uh, I would get very familiar with that. And then, yes, you can, you can find the Book of Enoch online, and you can read it, or you can buy it. You can, again, think of the Book of Enoch as... Not as something that's anti-biblical. Uh, it is something that is again is referenced by multiple writers of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, mm-hmm. that it parallels history that is that is documented in the biblical canon. Think of it yeah. as a supplementing like history piece of like, hey, what was going on then? Like, what do other people have to say about right. this? Use it as that, and then then come back and because I'd like to have you back on. Yeah, we, maybe or we can trash go, or we can, jubilees or book yeah. of science. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even get into. Um, Flat Earth. No, it never did. We, or yeah. or why are aliens so popular right now? We listen. We have got to tease people. You <laughs> always leave them wanting more. <laughs> All right. So uh, yes, we'll have you back. I'd love to have you back on because yeah. I, I think I you absolutely have um, a, a calling to teach. Even if it's just one person, you know, if this podcast reaches one person and it brings them like back either from their own deconstruction or if it just tickles their ears enough, the Holy Spirit uses this. Yeah. Like it's, I do it for the one person, the one listener. Uh, which is, you yeah. know, about 50% of our listenership. Um, but like that, I want you to be able to come back. I think we, we I think it's a topic worth having its own time for. Absolutely. So, but you got to get back to your kids tonight. Uh, buddy, I love you, buddy. Th- thank you so much, brother, Thanks, for Michael. coming. I appreciate it. It's been a blast. Uh-huh. So yeah, my first time. So well, it won't be your last time. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a good night, buddy. All right.